Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to another edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. I may have mentioned before that I have other hobbies that do not revolve around football. Now, football is one of my primary hobbies, for sure. It has to be because I need to be able to consume the necessary content and do the necessary work to be able to produce this podcast. But I do have other hobbies. Most of them I don't ever talk about. I just don't ever talk about them. I keep them very private. They're for me. They're not for public consumption. But there's one thing that I have mentioned that I do do on occasional. (laughs) I said do-do. And that is not just make horribly, horribly juvenile jokes, but I've been known to play a video game or two in my time. It's a nice way to relax sometimes, depending on the game and the mood. And today's episode is titled Balrog. And I wanted to make sure that right off the bat, I said that when I say Balrog in this context, I mean the Street Fighter character, not the fiery demon monster from Lord of the Rings. I'm not going to be sitting here like Gandalf going, you shall not pass. You know, none of that stuff. Like, we're not going to be doing any of that. And the reason I'm bringing that up is because I made a comment on social media that I thought kind of got my my brain spinning a little bit. And it was that the Buffalo Bills' ability, newfound ability, to pivot and go full Balrog is unusual. It's not what we're used to seeing from this Buffalo Bills team. Now, what do I mean when I say full Balrog? Because I'm not going to make the assumption that my entire listener base knows what that means. You see, in old school Street Fighter, when Balrog was introduced, there were three buttons for punches and three buttons for kicks. But Balrog is a boxer. He does not have any kicks, which means every button is a punch. There are three buttons for straight punches and then three buttons for hooks. So no matter what you pick, it's still a punch, right? Left punch, right punch, but there's no kick at all. It's just punch, 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 punch. Whether it's, you know, a rushdown move or whether you're trying to control space, you can't because you don't have a projectile, but it's a whole thing. You are still punching. You went full ball rog. So when I say full ball rog, I mean nothing but punches. 
That's what that means. And it's interesting because the Buffalo Bills over the last few weeks have managed to kind of go full ball rog on occasion. They'll say, you know what? We're just going to run the ball. And we talked about that a little bit last week. But it's ironic because over the last five weeks, we have evidence that the Buffalo Bills are just not throwing the ball as much relative to expectation as they previously have. Over the last five weeks, the Buffalo Bills are 23rd in the NFL in pass rate over expectation. They're running the ball more when you would expect them to pass it than they are passing the ball when you would expect them to run it. And historically, there is a correlation. We talked about this earlier this year when we said we wanted to pass the ball more, right? Well, one of the solutions to the offense was pass the ball more, right? We talked about pass rate over expectation. And historically, there is a correlation over the course of an entire season between pass rate over expectation and offensive effectiveness. Typically, the, the teams that are at the top are better than the teams that are at the bottom. Over the last five weeks, that's not really the case. Here are some of the offenses that are at the top. Kansas City, offense struggles. Jacksonville, offensive struggles. The Browns suddenly come alive under Joe Flacco. The Colts, the Cowboys, the Jets, the Packers, the Bengals, the Vikings, the Ravens, the 49ers, all pass rate over expectation. Pass rate under expectation. Chargers, Seahawks, Giants, Washington, but the Rams, who have a good offense and it's moving, the Eagles, the Patriots, the Texans, the Broncos, the Bills, the Cardinals, the Buccaneers, whose offense and Baker Mayfield have been playing really well recently. The Detroit Lions, who everybody wants to hire their offensive coordinator. The Miami Dolphins, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Saints, the Titans, the Falcons, the Panthers. Historically, there's a, now there's still a stronger correlation between teams who pass the ball more and better offenses, but it's not nearly as strong over the last five weeks as it historically is over the course of an entire year. In smaller sample sizes, if you're running the ball more in smaller sample sizes because it's working, then that's fine. Over the course of an entire year, rarely do you see offenses that are really, really good who have a very low pass rate over expectation or a pass rate under expectation. But as a changeup, still potentially valuable. Let's circle back to the Street Fighter thing. Let's circle back to Balrog. So I'm not a fighting game person. Like I don't I don't master any fighting games. That's just not my thing. It, it requires a, a level of time commitment that I just don't have. I mean, memorizing frame data and things like that sounds lovely to me, right? That sounds like a lot of fun, but I simply don't have the time to devote to a game like that where I can put hundreds upon hundreds of hours and I can memorize every character's frame data to the point where I have essentially perfected the character and all potential other characters that they could fight against. I just, it just doesn't work for me. But if you go to like a tournament where people are playing for actual money, right? You go to esports, like an, like an Evo tournament is the name of a big tournament where they play games and one of those games is Street Fighter. Historically, the person who wins the tournament does not win the tournament by playing one character. They need to have at least two that they are comfortable playing. Because if you have a character and you run into someone who has a really good character to counter your character, you need to be able to pivot. Again, sound very familiar, 
to anyone who's been following this podcast for any amount of time and has remembered rock, paper, scissors. It's just like that again. Having more than one method to victory is better. Having more than one playable character helps you win. So I'm not stressing about the pass rate under expectation for the Buffalo Bills right now over the course of five weeks. Over the course of the entire year, if it ends up being low, if we were to have Joe Brady for an entire year, it was under expectation and the offense was suffering because of it, then okay, we'll look at it. Ultimately, results-based league. Ironic, because I don't think the defense was really the issue against the Los Angeles Chargers. The Buffalo Bills squeaked out a victory against the Los Angeles Chargers, and I actually didn't have a problem overall with the defense. Your odds of winning a football game when you are negative three in the turnover battle are less than 9%. Why? Because defenses, no matter how good they are, can't survive being put in terrible positions repeatedly by you turning the ball over on offense. There's a reason why those percentages are so low. So for me, I'm much more concerned about the play of the offense against the Chargers than I am to play against the defense on the Chargers. It's ironic because you have all these conflicting narratives, and this is the podcast and the time when they all converge. It's running the ball. It's the offense didn't look great against the Chargers, and they really should have because the Chargers' defense is really bad. But also, Josh Allen's MVP candidacy. It's very strange that all three of these things can simultaneously be narratives at the same time. We don't like the way the offense played. The Bills have been running the ball a lot more recently, but yet simultaneously we're, we're thinking our quarterback should be having discussion about MVP. It's really, really fascinating when you break it down that way. We're going to get to Josh Allen's MVP candidacy. But overall, after looking at the game again, I was much more concerned, much more concerned about the offense than I was about the defense. Now, I understand you have the short week traveling across country. You get the dead cap bounce from firing your head coach. Giff Smith is a defensive line coach by trade. He was a former Buffalo Bill coach, ironically enough. But I still would have liked to have seen a better performance specifically in the passing game against the Los Angeles Chargers than I did. So that's two weeks now where I don't think the passing game was particularly in click and the running game was eh, against the Chargers as well. That's two games in a row. Three games is a trend and we can't afford for the Buffalo Bills to come out and just lay an egg against the New England Patriots this coming weekend. So I'm keeping an eye on it because as much as I've been satisfied with what I've seen from Joe Brady and the offense, there are some things in the passing game I would like to make sure I clean up. There was nothing that would make me feel better than for the Buffalo Bills to come out and just light the Patriots on fire. Just Josh Allen sitting by the fourth quarter. He's got four touchdowns. Let's go. I would be pleased with this development, and it would help ease a little of my concern about the passing game as it currently stands. We are going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about Josh Allen's MVP candidacy. We're going to take plurality pie and eat it because it's delicious. We're going to do some emails. Stick with me. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for joining me for this edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. So you want your quarterback to be MVP. I've had a lot of discussions recently about, hey, Bruce, when is Stu coming out? The next Stu comes out end of the year. Just don't have the capacity to be able to do it every single week. It'd be cool if I did. If I had an intern or something, maybe I would. But Mrs. Nolan does not count. I, I cannot ask her reasonably to do that stuff. So we've been talking about Josh Allen's MVP candidacy. And I mentioned a couple weeks ago that as it currently stands, a lot would have to change for me to feel comfortable saying Josh Allen has a shot at MVP. I'll tell you right now, I think the Bills need to win out first off. Well, why should that matter? Because MVP voters think wins are a quarterback stat. They do. They're wrong. But it doesn't matter. This is not whether or not he should be. This is whether or not he will be. Those are two completely different conversations. Do not conflate what you think will happen with what you think should happen. We do this a lot in content creation and media space. We yell at the messenger when they say, I don't think it will happen and this is why. When they're not saying, I don't think it should happen. I don't think wins are a quarterback stat. It doesn't matter what I think. They think they are. There has not been an MVP. Not a single one over the last 20 years whose team had more than six losses. No 9-7 and seven or 10-7 and seven teams or worse than that. None. So the Bills have to win out and get to 11-6 and six, or else it's crazy, crazy precedent breaking. There's only been one quarterback in the last 20 years who's won the MVP with their team at six losses. It was Aaron Rodgers in 2014. This team went 10-6. and six. The other 10-6 and six team had a running back MVP. It was Adrian Peterson. So it'd be very, very, very strange. In fact, most of the time, it's three or four losses for a team. Really, really difficult to get there if your team doesn't have the wins. Because it's usually the best quarterback on the best team. That's the two things they're hoping to converge. And if those things don't, then it drops off to a next tier. But the next tier isn't the best quarterback on a team who squeaks into a wild card. The next tier is non-quarterbacks. It's just really rare. So I still, unless the Bills win out, get to 11-6 and six and win the AFC East, I, I still don't think it's going to happen. The fact that the national media has gone back and forth about who they think is the front runner. Right? The fact that Vegas has gone back and forth, Lamar, before that it was Purdy, before that it was Dak. The fact that it's bounced back and forth like that is the thing that opens the door for me for Tyreek Hill and Christian McCaffrey into that conversation. In fact, I think if Tyreek Hill hadn't gotten injured and missed a game, I think he'd probably be the front runner right now. So I don't think that that opens the door for Josh Allen. I think it opens the door for non-quarterbacks. Just because of the behavior that you've historically seen from MVP voters. These people believe wins are a quarterback stat. And that you can't possibly give it to a quarterback whose team is 10-7 and seven and squeaked into a wild card. I just don't think they're going to do that. It doesn't matter how many touchdowns he scored. He'd have to break the record for all-time touchdowns. Probably. Just to have a shot at it. If you're going to be a wild card quarterback. It's just the way that they view it. And it's time to make sure we're putting on our realism caps. And recognize that the way that they behave as MVP voters is not the way that we think they should. And that's that's okay. I mean, they can be wrong. That's fine. 
but we need to be aware of their wrongness. Just a quick aside, I want to make sure that people got the double entendre there. I said that I was going to make the exercise, this discussion, about Balrog, the Street Fighter character, and not Balrog, the Lord of the Rings, fiery demon thing. But you guys got the you shall not pass joke, right? Pass rate under expectation. You shall not pass like you should not, shall not throw the ball. Get See, I, I'm funny. People don't realize that about me. I can be funny sometimes. Ask Mrs. Nolan. At least three times she has laughed at a horrible, horrible joke. So I just, quick before we get back on everything, I just wanted to kind of to point that out because sometimes it can be you know, layers to this stuff. I'm like an onion, you know, layers. So let's go to emails. David said, what about paying running backs who are receivers? What are you going to pay Cook in light of the don't pay running backs philosophy, assuming he continues his high-level play? Do you pretend for a moment that you hold this view? How does the ability to catch the ball affect the calculus? The ability to catch the ball is good in a running back. I want a running back who can catch the ball. It is better than taking a sack. I think it's a good way for handling pressure as far as the screen game goes. I think it's valuable for specific matchups where you have linebackers who might go with James Cook out into the slot. I think it allows your running back to immediately start in the open field where they can make a slower linebacker miss. I think it allows you to get some good yak. Some of the best yak players in the NFL are running backs. And I think that's valuable. You already know when the time comes, if the discussion is going to be pay James Cook $12 million a year, I'm going to say no. You already know that. You've been listening to this pod for years. You know this. And everybody's going to hate me. Like, that's just the way it is. But if I said that when we didn't have any good running backs, I I can't not say it now when we have good running backs. Like, do I believe in it or do I not? Because if I believe in it, then I better stick with it when the circumstances change. Because the reason everyone was okay with that, in theory, is because the Bills didn't have to make that call. No one was pushing to pay Devin Singletary $12 million a year. In fact, last year, I had a comment on social media where I was having a discussion with someone. I said, I think they're going to let Singletary walk. He said, what? I said, yeah, I I think they will, and I think they should. And he laughed at me. He went, LOL. Well, I was right. They, They let him walk, and they should have let him walk. That was the right move. When the time comes to pay James Cook, and people were pounding the table to pay him $12 million a year because he's a valuable asset in the passing game, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say I don't want to spend $12 million on James Cook. And everybody will hate me. Just fully expect that time to come. Anyone who's been listening to this pod for any meaningful amount of time will already know what's coming. So I value it, but it doesn't cross a threshold for me. I don't want to pay meaningful contracts to running backs. At all. Ever. To Lewis and to Patton. I got your emails. I greatly appreciate them. I hope that both of you had a wonderful Christmas, and I hope you have a happy new year. Your words of encouragement and kindness and support mean more to me than you could possibly know. Patrick says, Hi, Bruce. Happy holidays. Since you liked the word usage last time, I want to share this idea that I've had. Ideation is actually what he said. So if you remember that, love the the word. I wonder if you agreed with any of this. 
I'm positing that the NFL schedule makers placed Buffalo at a competitive disadvantage against the Chargers. Yes, the Bills won, and they're my team, but this opinion stands for any scenario with these same variables. Number one, Chargers were on a mini-buy. Number two, Bills were on short rest. Three, the Bills were on the road traveling 3,000 miles across three time zones. If you're scheduling a team on short rest versus a team that had extra days off, wouldn't it make much better sense to have that as a home game for the Bills? Or match them against a team in the same time zone. Jet lag is real, and it always takes me a couple days to acclimate to the time change. I know the Bills coaches and players would never use this as an excuse, but it was clear for at least a quarter and a half that the Bills were sleepwalking. Do you have thoughts? Okay, so first off, who you are going to play next regular season is set at the end of the current regular season. So the Buffalo Bills are going to play home against the Dolphins. They're going to. They're going to play away against the Dolphins. And at the end of this year, we will know exactly who the Bills will play and whether or not those games will be home and away. When the schedule release comes out, the only thing that is new is when you're playing them. So the Bills were going to play at the Chargers this year regardless. Now, in this case, the next question becomes, of course, when are you going to play them? In this case, the Chargers were coming off a mini-buy and the Bills were on short rest. That's the factor in the when. So the idea that they could have the Bills play a different team in this scenario is, yeah, that's a real thing because it's you could have scheduled a different game at this time. But it's really important that we understand NFL schedule making. Every year, there is a meaningful rest inequity between teams. Every single year. There is a team that gets a lot of rest and a team that doesn't get nearly enough rest. Like, that's that's a thing. Teams who play a lot of games against teams on long rest, and then there's teams who play a lot of games against team on short rest. That happens every year. You know why? Because the schedule makers don't care. It's been very clear. The schedule makers do not care about rest equity in the NFL. The fact that you're playing five games against teams with extra rest, and you're only playing one game against team with limited rest, they don't care. They are trying to get the most potential eyes on their product to make the most money as humanly possible. So that's why they try and flex things into prime time between teams they think are going to be exciting and have national interest. It's the reason why the Buffalo Bills were at 1 o'clock on Sunday for many, many, many years because nobody wanted to put them in prime time because the national media and the national interest was not on the Buffalo Bills. They weren't even terrible. They weren't great. They were boring. And that's the worst thing you can possibly be in the NFL's eyes is boring. They'd rather have you be terrible than boring because they want eyes on their games they want ratings so they can generate more money. So if you start the equation with, we want to maximize the amount of eyes we can get for certain teams against certain teams at certain times, you build out the rest of the schedule based on that. They do not care. So yes, I agree. The Bills were put at a competitive disadvantage because the Chargers were on long rest, the Bills were on short rest, and they were traveling 3,000 miles. All those points are incredibly well taken. They don't care. The reason why I don't really spend much time talking about it is because nothing's ever going to change. They don't care about that. When they're scheduling teams to play other teams at specific times, and all they're doing is deciding the when, because the who and the where is already determined. The Bills are going to play at Denver. Done. We already know that. The only question is, when are they going to play at Denver? 
And the answer to that when is whenever we can find a slot that will maximize that week's total ratings. That's the answer. So I acknowledge it. I recognize it. I don't really talk about it. Because every year after the schedule release, Warren Sharp will do an article about teams who have better situations than usual and teams that have worse situations than usual. Playing against teams with short weeks and playing against teams with long weeks. Total amount of miles traveled, things like that. And every year it's bonkers because the NFL doesn't care about that. They just don't. And I don't think they ever will. All right. Plurality pie. Gabe Davis, 18%. Ed Oliver, 18%. Josh Allen, 11%. Puna Ford, 9%. Other 44%. This is such a weird game to try and carve out plurality pie. Can you think of a player, aside from Gabe Davis and Ed Oliver, who had just an unbelievable performance? Puna Ford, I think, played well. And you know what? Good for Puna Ford. We've been talking about why isn't he playing? Why isn't he playing specifically over Tim Settle, over Jordan Phillips? Now he plays, and I think he played really well. I think he validated himself. It's a shame. I think that's a knock against Sean McDermott as to why Puna Ford wasn't active earlier in the year. Gabe Davis, 18%. Have a day, Gabe. If you can accurately predict what game Gabe Davis is going to go off, you basically never lose in fantasy football. Because when he goes off, he goes off. And then he'll be gone for you know another month. Zero catches, zero yards. Zero catches, two targets, zero yards. One catch, five targets, 15 yards. Those are things that happen with Gabe Davis. But this was one of those games. Ed Oliver, I've said it before, I'll say it again. There was reason to be concerned about the contract that the Buffalo Bills gave to Ed Oliver. I don't know how you could be more happy about that. Gabe Davis is not someone I'm going to be pounding the table to resign. Ed Oliver is someone I'm thrilled that the Buffalo Bills resigned. Imagine what it would look like right now for 2024 if you had zero defensive tackles currently under contract. Now you have your best defensive tackle currently under contract because Daquan Jones is hurt. And you're like, okay, well, I'd love to see the Bills bring back Daquan Jones. But if you want to get younger at that spot, at least you have your franchise cornerstone defensive tackle who's playing out of his mind and helped seal the game in a good spot. Josh Allen, 11% low because, again, it was it was fine from Josh Allen. Scored a couple touchdowns, throw about that. But it was, it was just fine. There's some kinks to work out in the passing offense. People have asked me about Stephon Diggs. I'm still not ready to write Stephon Diggs' obituary quite yet when it comes to his role as an elite pass catcher in this offense. I'm going to give it some more time. Right now, it's a trend that I don't like because three games is a trend. It's a trend I don't like, but that's all it is. It's just a trend. If you have 44% of your pie going to other, that usually means you're like, uh, I, I don't, there weren't a lot of standout performers. It was, it was okay. It was just okay. I'm glad the Buffalo Bills won. I think that would have been a really, really depressing week had they not, especially given all the other things that went well for the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills can, in fact, clinch a playoff spot this upcoming weekend. 
That's how many things fell their way. So we're happy about that. But the game against the Chargers, although a W, was it was a survive and advance game. I'm glad the Buffalo Bills won. But it doesn't give me more positive energy going into the Patriots game. I want the Bills to come out, and I don't want them to beat the Patriots. I want them to stop the Patriots. I don't want to survive in advance. I want to make a statement. If you want your quarterback to be included in the MVP conversations, go and blow them out. And if not, well, that's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan, Buffalo Rumble.